let's jump into let's let's jump into this week's message um, uh, out of the cave as I close it out. I really want to. Uh, thank uh, Pastor Irene. Last week, I was in Texas. Um, City Hope Church in Wichita Falls sends its love to Lift Church. As I was there last week, sending uh, Lift's love, and uh, it's just really cool to see what God's doing all over the place. I'm telling you, do you know the kingdom of God is winning? Come on, do you know it's taking ground? Do you know that there is transformation? I need to hear a bigger excitement for that, unless you don't believe it. But if you don't believe it, clap anyway until you do, because I've seen it. I've seen it. And I love getting to see what God's doing. Um, but we had uh, Pastor Irene Rollins in the house last week. If you missed it, go check out that message. It was cool to be flying back from Texas, getting so many texts from so many of you saying, Thank you so much for making uh, it available for Irene to come. So much healing has happened in my life. I took so many notes. I, I, I have a pathway to a healthy future. God's doing something. Come on, I got numerous texts, and so we're just so grateful for that. Um, and I am going to jump back in to the last one. Now, I did like um, a cardinal sin for a preacher, and that is this. I, I gave you all a cliffhanger on week one. And then I didn't just make you wait for the, a, a resolve for one week. I made you wait two weeks because we could have Pastor Irene in on that time. But listen, I'm going to um, pick up where I left off two weeks ago. And if, if you weren't here, let me just break down what we talked about. Depression and mental health and anxiety is on an all-time rise. And there's a lot that goes into it. You, you know, people say that we live in an information age. You know, it's not an industrial age. It's an information age. And do you know that we can consume so much information that it weighs down on anxiety? We can't keep up with it all. We have um, loss of breath and, and, and feeling like we're uh, stuck and I can never keep up. And I don't know where hope comes from. And I'm here to tell you today to look up to the mountains where I can see where my help comes from. He comes from the maker of the mountain, God. But we have all experienced times where uh, mental health and situations in the last 18 months has been so very difficult. And um, I want to tell you this as I jump into this message, that it is the, the devil, it is the thief, it is the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to tax your life he wants to take from your life. He wants to take from your emotional health, physical health. There is an enemy, and he exists. And you can say, well, I don't know if I believe in that. That doesn't make him go away. Because there is a battle going on for our lives, and we live in a world where uh, it is fallen. Thanks, Adam and Eve. All right. Um, but we will have struggles in this world. That's what Scripture tells us to prepare for. And for many of us, we struggle with that. But the Bible says it is Jesus who came to give you life and life more abundantly. It is not God's plan for you to stay captive. Oh, I'm not saying, I am saying that there are some people who will be completely healed from mental um, taxation and from uh, mental health issues. And I'm also saying that maybe some are like the Apostle Paul who said, it's a thorn in my flesh. I've asked God to go away, but God's grace has been sufficient and it has not slowed my role any. Because by the grace of God, I am moving along. Amen? And it is God's plan for you to have relief. It is God's plan for you to have life and none of it stolen from you, for you to have it abundantly. 
Okay, so I want you to receive everything from this message. And two weeks ago, I talked about six ways we put ourselves in the cave. Let me be very clear. When it comes to depression and mental health, even modern science points out that there are genetic issues. There are biological issues. Thanks, mom and dad, but it's probably not even mom and dad. It's grandpa, grandma. It goes even further down than that. There are those, but even modern psychologists are saying we should pay less attention to that and realize there are a lot of things that we're doing to ourselves to put ourselves in the cave. And I shared six different things that we can do to put ourselves in a bad mental health situation and came right out of 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. If you've got your Bible, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to finish that message. You can go with me on a smart device. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV translation, but let me set it up for you in case you missed that. Elijah is known in the Old Testament to be one of the greatest prophets of all time. A prophet is someone who could hear from God on behalf of people. In other words, they're tight with God. If anyone's tight with God, if anyone's good with God, it'll probably be a prophet. And Elijah was known as the greatest prophet of the whole Old Testament. Do you know that that same man suffered from depression to the point of wanting to take his own life? Some of you are starting to go, I don't feel so weird today, okay? Because we don't like to admit it to a lot of other people, but many of us in this room have had similar despairing thoughts. Now, why did um, he get known as one of the greatest prophets? Well, when he spoke on behalf of God, the rain stopped for three years. And then further on, after three years, he had a showdown because all of God's people had abandoned worshiping the God of Israel, and they were now serving false gods. The Bible says there were 450 prophets of Baal, that's a false god, and another 400 of Asherah, that's another false god. So there's 850 prophets of these false gods and only one who said, one is enough with my God. Come on, I can't wait to talk about false gods because one is enough. One believer can move mountains, and he has a showdown with them. King Ahab is the king of the land at that time. He's married to a woman named Jezebel, and Jezebel's the reason all these false gods and this confusion came in in the first place. Elijah goes up in there, and he says, y'all are serving a false god let's have a showdown to see whose god is real let it not just be about talk let it not just be about a religion but let's let the real god show up and i believe we saw the real god show up this morning when people said look how god's moved in my life well that happened in elijah's time he said get two big bonfires and you guys go first, and 450 prophets of Baal start dancing around, making a lot of hoopla, cutting themselves, trying to bleed to get their God to answer them and bring relief and have evidence and show up. Elijah even jested with them. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's relieving himself on the toilet. <laughs> Maybe he's, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's not hearing you. Yell a little bit louder, right? And then all of a sudden, he says, I know we've been in a drought for three years, but go get all the water that's left and pour 12 pitchers of water on my fire, my wood, because God's about to light this thing up. Come on, say, light this thing up. 
That's what we want. He's got to light it up. And, and he answers by heaven and fire comes and it consumes all the water and the, the fire is lit. And he said, that's the one true God. Now serve him. Ahab has to go home and say, hey, uh, Jezebel, you know that colleague at work that I sometimes have to email correspond with, sometimes have to have communications with, you know, the one you don't like, Elijah? Oh, I hate that guy. I bet Jezebel, I hate that guy. Like under, under, under breath, you know. I know you don't like him too much, but uh, she's like, well, what happened at work today? He killed 450 of your prophets today. <laughs> they gone. <laughs> they no more. <laughs> you don't have any more of those worshipers. They gone. You got to start over. And she's like, I hate that guy. Why do you have to work with him? Why do you have to correspond with him? Like just seething. And so she sends a modern-day text message. The Bible says she sends a messenger. To Elijah and says, if you're not dead by this time tomorrow, so help me. I'm coming after you. It wasn't an assassin she sent. It was just a threat. It was a message. And it does the same thing to you and I too. You're going to be having heaven on earth. Glory to God. Everything's good, pastor. And then you get one phone call. You get one text message. You get one person who has the audacity to disagree with your post. I didn't want this social post to be debatable. <laughs> Go away. And so you try to hide that message and block them. And then they come back with a vengeance and everybody's going, why'd you block them? Why'd you, why'd you delete that joke? Right, right. And all of a sudden, you go from high to extreme low. The Bible says he ran away in the wilderness, told his assistant, stay here. He went by himself another day's journey. And then he sat down and he told God, kill me now. I don't even want to live. And many people find themselves in a similar cave. And today I want to help you five ways to step into the light, to get out of that cave. There are things you can do. So I hope you're ready to take some notes. Five ways to step into the light. Let's go. First Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 5, says this. I'm going to give you five ways that come right out of the word of God. It says, then Elijah laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Sounds good to me, my friend. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Come on, the angels gave him breakfast in bed. How nice is that? Come on, how nice is that? Wake up, and you got fresh bread. Tell the cheesiest joke I know, and that means you have to laugh afterward, or I'm going to get all self-conscious about that and deal with that in point number three. But um, did you know that uh, one Christian woman said to her husband, I wish you would go uh, um, brew a cup of coffee for me, make a cup of coffee. Um, did you know the Bible says it's your job to do that? Christian husband said, I've never seen that once in Scripture. And she said, would you turn to the book of Hebrews? I know, I know, <laughs> you can't contain yourself, it's just so funny, okay, anyway, he gets breakfast in bed, he ate and drank, and then he laid down again, and the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you, so he got up, he ate and drank, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, which is where in the Old Testament, God's presence dwelled. Number one is the way to step into the light is, number one, stepping into a needed recovery. I think it's interesting. As spiritual as I want to make it, as supernatural as I want to see things happen, I think it's interesting that the angel's first attention 
is to take a nap. Here's some food and water. Eat something. Take a nap. Eat something. I'm here to tell you that for some of you, your recovery starts with take a nap. Rest knowing you are not in control. This world does not revolve around you. You are not what keeps this world spinning. Chillax. Rest. Go have a cup of coffee. <laughs> like, be restored. Eat. The angels like, take a nap. Here's some food. I think God's people, the Jewish people in the Old Testament, I believe they understood something that we struggle with today. And that is we're so busy burning the candle at both ends. But there are multiple festivals festivals that uh, the Jewish people observe. Um, there's, I think there's uh, seven of them. Three of them are week-long rests. In other words, take a break. Your job will be there next Monday. You are not the only thing keeping it going. I am God and you are not. Rest. Eat. Come on. You know what the Jewish people did all the time? They had festivities. They were always eating together. They were always communing together. They were always having fun together. And so I think I've talked to some people before who they needed a transplant before. And I said, well, when's the transplant coming? Why is it waiting? And their answer was this. The, the, the doctor said, I actually have to get my body healthy enough to receive a better transplant. In other words, you've got to bring a needed recovery before the transplant actually happens. And I think some of us need to rest. Some of us need to eat. Some of us need to remember I'm dropping things up here. Remember that God is in control. You know, I, 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 it happened to the Samaritan person too, the good Samaritan. Some of you know the story. There was a person beaten up and bruised on the side of the road, and the good Samaritan didn't go, hey, let me pray for you. <laughs> didn't say, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? You know what they did first? They said, let me put you up in a hotel room. Let me take care of your bruises. Let me take care of your wounds. And there was a mercy extended to them that sometimes Christians need to learn more of. I'm glad I'm not God because I need a lot of mercy from him to me. But sometimes aren't we a little slow to give mercy to others? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not God and you're not God either. Because <laughs> you'd go, ah, don't make it. <laughs> and sometimes I think we do that. Did you see that? Show? Ah, don't make it. Come on. We've got to extend mercy. We need a needed recovery. The Bible says, uh, in fact, write this down. If I don't prioritize my life, someone else will. If I don't prioritize my life, someone else will. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this. Teach us, O God, to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. And if you don't take time, to evaluate, someone else will say, by the way, you're on the clock. By the way, you're going to do this for X amount. Come on. That's number one. Let's go into number two, verse nine. It says, there Elijah went into a cave at Mount Sinai and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he, replied, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, Put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. You ever, you ever got your own pity party? 
then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. In other words, you need to take a step into God's presence. Because where you've gotten in your mental state and in your thoughts and belief, you need to, number two, stepping into a, a God encounter. Elijah, you need to step into the presence of God and just know who God is. Come on. Sometimes you can't wait till you feel it. You've actually got to do it until you feel it. Come on, people who are married, we've learned about love all the time. People who are raising kids, we've learned about love, right? Sometimes I don't feel like, my mama used to tell me all the time, I don't know. I don't know if you heard this one growing up. I love you, but I don't like you right now. Uh, of course, it was rare. <laughs> no. <laughs> Some of you are holding your breath to laugh at that. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh. But don't you know that we have to do love before we feel love a lot of times? And, you know, you can't wait till you feel it to give God glory and honor, for it is His, and He's deserving of it. Do you know there is a such thing in, in our Bible that teaches us about orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy? I just wanted that to be super cool sounding, because sometimes when I go to the doctor, they use terms I don't understand, and I was like, look, I can do that too. Come on. I use theological terms you don't understand. Let me break that down. In other words, we can worship God with our head, we can worship God with our hearts, and we can worship God with our hands. And the perfect disciple is the one who's got all three functioning, but those get out of kilter and sometimes those fall off. It's, it's often sometimes rare to, to have a lot of life where two of them are operating, one of them's operating, but I, I've missed this, right? Like, for example, sometimes the heart leads the way. Don't you love it when it feels right? Like it feels like the presence of God is here. So I now do right, and I sing right, and I clap right, and I move right, and I, I think right, all because my, my feelings led the way. That's one way to worship him. But if that's the only way you know how to worship him, then you will not give God his glorious due in times where you, I, I don't feel it today, Pastor. I don't know why y'all keep playing that song. I don't even like that song. And all my kids seem like they came straight out of, okay, come on, on the dark side today. That's when you're going, they're, your, they're my spouse's kids, not mine, right? You know, like you, you, you start realizing like, I'm not feeling it. Well, that's okay because sometimes your head needs to lead the way. I'm not feeling like you're my kids right now, but my head knows you're my kids. And more importantly, I might not feel the presence of God, but my head knows how to give glory to God. One psalmist said it this way in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. But pastor, I don't know if I feel it yet. I don't know if the Holy Spirit's moved into the room. I don't know if someone's prayed yet. Would you be still and know and let the rest come? And the third way is sometimes our hands lead the way uh, or our feet lead the way. It, the, the, another psalmist said it this way. Man, all hell was breaking loose. Things were going bad in my life. I'm telling you, the enemy was everywhere. And in Psalm 73, verse 16, he said, when I tried to understand the chaos, it troubled me deeply. Sound like an out of the cave sermon right here? Until I entered the sanctuary of God. In other words, I didn't feel it, and honestly, I wanted to hit snooze and go back to bed. 
I wanted to stay in a place of despair until I made my feet just go, we're going to church today. You know, sometimes we have to be people of value and principle. We are going to church whether we feel like it or not because sometimes I need my feet to bring my head and my heart to a place where I go. He is God and he is due of praise today. Can I get an amen? I love our dream team because sometimes I used to say yes to serving and I didn't feel like it. But once you say yes, I can't break a commitment. And so I'd carry myself in to serve and God would meet me there. All of a sudden I felt it and I was thinking right. All because my hands and feet led the way. Step into a God encounter. Number three, in verse 13, it goes on to say, when Elijah heard the voice of God in a whisper, it wasn't in the thunder, it wasn't in the earthquake, it wasn't in the storm. But it was just a a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard God's whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face. Now, the face is the only way that you could identify someone else. Think about it. Before you had driver's license, the way you identified someone different from somebody else is by seeing their face. In fact, I, fl- I flew last week, and when you fly, everybody tells you keep your mask up until you get to the security person, and the security person says, I need you to identify yourself. Please pull your mask down because it's the face that brings identity, right? And it says that when Elijah heard God's whisper, he covered up his identity. He covered his face, and he went out and stood on the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied the same thing he said earlier. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. Thank you, Eeyore. But this isn't true. I think God is saying you need to step into a true identity. Number three, you need to step into a true identity. You are a prophet of God. God has done great things in you before, and he can do them again. And by the way, you are not the only one left. You can get, have you ever let the enemy or your own mind hijack your identity? No one else does this. Nobody likes me. Everyone's against me. No one's going to talk to me. They're all going to laugh at me, and no one else is doing this, and I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. No one in this house loves God. (laughs) Right? And sometimes we need to get back into a true identity. That God is not looking for us to get stuck there. He's saying, don't cover up your identity. Be who God has made you to be. Get your identity back. Don't let other people hijack your identity. Don't let Jezebel define who you are. Don't let a foreign voice say who you can be and who you cannot be. You listen to the voice of God and you become who God has called you to be. Write this down. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Elijah, it makes no sense to take out 450 prophets and then run from one lady. As if God can't do it again. Yet his identity got hijacked by a text. You know what happens to you too? You know they're talking about you. Nobody likes you. Uh, come on. Everybody's like looking to get you fired. Or you know they're all talking about you behind your back. And all of a sudden you just, what did I do? I, don't, I can't, you can't imagine. How come people don't like me? And then you find out most of that was vain imaginations. 
I just need to get back to who God has called me to be. I've got to be set in my own identity. I no longer walk around needing you to like every one of my Facebook posts. <laughs> oh my gosh, I posted this thing and only 12 people like it. I normally have 422. So many people are going to unfollow me. It's the end. It's the beginning of the end, Pastor. I've gotten to a place where God gets to dictate my identity. And if you like it, awesome. So glad you like it. And if you don't, I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Because if you don't, you will try to transform and shift and shape to every single different context. And it's going to be mentally exhausting. It's fatiguing. You were never designed to live that way. It is God who said to Jesus before he did anything. He said, check out my boy. This is my son. I'm well pleased with him when he got baptized. I wonder if some of the people around said, for what? He hasn't done anything significant. He hadn't done miracles by then. He hadn't had any profound teachings, not enough to write about. For what? Because he's my son. That identity alone is enough. You know, some of us suffer from the same thing I do, and that is this. Performance love. Like, I feel loved when I move the ball forward, when I do good things, when I check off a task. I feel good about my identity. Can I tell you a prayer that's helped me? Because I know a lot of you suffer from that too, right? Like, I only feel loved when things happen instead of I am loved because I am a human, not a human doing, but I'm a human being. And so you are loved just for being. And so you can pray this simple prayer. It's called the be loved prayer. You breathe in and you go, be. And you breathe out and you say, loved. I am not loved anymore by God whether I complete this task or not. I am not anymore loved by God whether I make this post perfect or not. I am not anymore loved by my performance at work or by what car I drive Come on, I really wanted this car, but the money's not making sense. Be loved. Driving this clunker around, right? Come on. So that was for some 16-year-olds who aren't going to get the car you wanted. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, that's my car. Be loved. Where's that be loved prayer? Come on, God is in love with you. Amen? Number four. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. In other words, where did he come from? He came from Beersheba. And the town Beersheba means the place you first took your oath. In other words, go back to your purpose. You remember when you were in Beersheba and you made an oath to me? Go back to the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint this guy and anoint this guy and anoint this guy. Number four, you need to stepping into a God assignment. Come on. He said, I'm not sure what you're doing out here. I've called you to be a prophet of God. I'm not done with you yet. If you're still breathing air, he's not done with you. Let's get back to a God assignment. I got people for you to anoint. I got things for you to do. I got things to take care of. We're not going to do things to be more loved, but because I'm loved, I am going to walk out my calling. Come on. Let me be very clear. You do not 
get saved. You do not get healed of your sins because you prayed a lot or you did a lot or you served a lot. You can't give enough. It is only by salvation through faith and faith alone. But why are you, why are you created? Well, God said this. You are God's workmanship. Did you know you're his masterpiece? Come on, put that scripture up there. Ephesians 2.10. You are God's masterpiece. There's your identity right there. That's cool. That was point number three. But we're in point number four. I know. So since you got your identity down, he has created you anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he prepared in advance for you to do. You have an assignment. And you can be busy doing that assignment, or you could be busy falling apart in isolation in some cave somewhere. It didn't work very well for Elijah. God said, what are you doing all by yourself out here? What are you doing complaining that I'm the only one? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm the only one who says yes to the dream team. I've done my share. I think the enemy has a way of telling you, you've done enough. Sit down. Don't do anymore. It's somebody else's turn to do something. I like what the Apostle Paul said in, in, instead. He said, I press on towards the goal of building the kingdom of God as long as I have breath. Oh, there will be moments of rest, but I'm not going to turn them into lifestyle. Of not having purpose of going, I had my time. I was the main part of writing chapter 18. It's somebody else's turn to write chapter 19. God said, no, no, I'm not done with you. Go anoint Elisha. Go anoint the next generation. Go get back to a God assignment. Even modern psychology says there's nothing more powerful than a project. Get yourself out of the funk. By getting into a project. And here's one way you could do that. I want you to join our dream team. They're going to put up a big code. I hope you'll take your smart device out. Point your camera at that thing. And the link that pops up is, it might as well be from the spirit of God making things show up on your phone, right? No, just joking. But I do think it's one of the healthiest things you could do for yourself. It's not because we need you to. It's because you need you to. When you get into a project and when you build the kingdom of God, there is a built-in fulfillment factor because you were created by God as a masterpiece, not just to live in isolation, but to build the house of God, which, by the way, he prepared in advance for you to do. In other words, he knows you better than you know yourself. And when you step into a God assignment, you start. We have dream teamers all the time. I talked to one who's serving in our kids today. I said, thank you for what you do. I see you serving everywhere. And she said, it's my pleasure I find connection, I find joy, I find relationships, I find accountability, I find people I want to become like, and I find God putting me in places that I can help other people. I think that's just iron sharpening iron. Come on. And I believe God picked you for a reason. It was an angel of God who said in Revelations, you have abandoned your first love. Would you repent and stop sitting on the sideline and... and Get your priorities right again, and then get back and remember, therefore, to, 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 to go back from where you have fallen and do the works you did at first. He's not done with you. How does Caleb say it? If I'm not dead, then I'm not done, right? Come on. Some of y'all know that. Y'all secret Caleb listeners. I know you are. 
Go back to where you came, Elijah. Go back to where you came. Get busy again with your purpose. And I finish with number five quickly. It says in verse 19, so Elijah went from there and he found Elisha. And Elijah went up to him and he threw his cloak around him, which was to say, I'm never going to do this alone again. You and I are going to roll together. I'm not going to be by myself. Number, number five, stepping toward a relational strength. If you're in isolation, if you're in despair, you can step into the light by finding a relational strength. Someone who helps bring you out of the cave that you so often walk yourself into. Come on. This is why I don't go anywhere alone. You know, I went to Texas last week, and I get the opportunity to travel from time to time to, to do ministry and to build the kingdom of God. And do you know one of the things that I do is I don't go alone. Because when you're alone, you can do stupid things inside your own cave. It goes like this. No one will know. No one has to know. They'll never find out. You're in a different place. No one knows who you are. You could do this. You could do that. No one has to know. When you're in Vegas, right? But when you have a relational strength, last week my wife couldn't go, so I brought John. John's one of the crucial dream team members here. He does so much around here so that you can find freedom. But I said, I want you to take a break. I just want you to hang with me because you know what? John was of immense blessing to me, and I hope that I was a blessing to him too. We just kicked it together. We had relationship together. We had conversation together. Write this down. There's nothing worse than a victory alone. You don't want to score your first goal and find out you're all by yourself. No one's watching on the sidelines. You don't want to see victory all by yourself. You need a group to roll with. In fact, one more QR code that I believe will bless your walk is this. You need to join a small group. It's not too late to join a small group. It is the best place to get in community and to get to know one another. In fact, I believe you'll learn more. Life transformation can happen in circles, not rows. So when we get in circles and we get to know each other, come on, you can join a small group. We did start them two weeks ago, but it's not too late to join. I just had a couple join mine this past week, and I want you to not be in isolation either. I want you to join, and I want you to find a place of relational strength. Maybe the best thing you can do for your mental health is pull out your camera and point it at the QR code. Just go, you know what? I'm no longer going to do this alone. I'm going to find somebody to walk this out with. Kevin Elkenberry said, look carefully at the closest associations you have in your life, for that is the direction you are headed. When you look around at your closest associations, do you like what you see? If it's a despairing thought, then let's find a relational strength to step into. Scan the QR codes one way to do that. And so I'm just going to close in prayer. If you would just bow your head and if you would open up your hands right now and let me it's just a symbol of saying I'm open hearted I'm open handed I'm even open headed God I pray right now that you would flood into our hearts and bring healing wherever there is mental challenges mental unhealth emotional unhealth even right now through cell phones and computers and smart TVs. Father, I pray that you would meet people who are online. You bring healing right where they're at. Bring them out of the cave. 
bring healing. It's so difficult. There's an enemy that's constantly saying, stay in the cave. You don't want to. You don't feel like it. God, I just pray that you would give us some of that Joshua courage to be bold and very courageous where we need to, to where we don't wait for us to feel like it, but we actually do it. And Father, I know that's not easy. We're going to need the Spirit of God. But I thank you that you've overcome death, hell, and the grave to do it. And so the very Spirit of God and the name that's above every name can be spoken on our lips. And he can overcome my situation too. Father, I pray healing over your people. Receive this blessing right now. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you. He's got his identity open to you right now. And may he flood you with peace. In Jesus' name. Before I close this prayer, before you pick up your heads, before you look around, just a moment where no one's walking around because I believe that God is moving right now on some people's lives. And, and, and you feel like, you know what? This feels right. There's something I can't describe about this moment, but it feels right. It's because the presence of God is offering you, drawing you in that you could come home to God today. Matthew 11 Jesus is talking. He said, are you tired? Come on, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Then come to me. This is Jesus saying, come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Some of you don't know how to take a real rest. God wants to teach us how to lay back in his arms, trusting him. He says, keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. If you're in this room, or if you're online, and you say, Pastor Drew, I want to give my life to him. I want to lean back into the arms of God, and that's how I want to live my life going forward. That's not how I've been doing it. I've been gripping the wheel too tight of my life and making my own decisions. But today's the day that I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to try it God's way. If you're in this place right now with no one looking around, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. But would you just right now raise your heaven and let God see your decision by saying, that's me. Include me in that prayer. If you're at home, you say, come on, that's me. Or if you're on work, write it in the chat. Include me in that prayer. So many decisions are made each week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I saw many hands. And I want everybody together to pray along with those who made that decision. Let's pray out loud and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner. I've fallen short of the standard you have for me. And I want to make it right. I ask for your forgiveness. I'm sorry for hurting you. And I know that your word says, because what Jesus did on the cross, when he died in my place, when he was crucified, he paid off my debt. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And because of that, I am a new person. I get to start new all over again. With my new life, I give it to you, Jesus Christ. And I ask you to live in me 
and you get to call the shots. I am yours. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church celebrated as everyone said, amen.